Thank you very much for all of the help that those of you uh, have donated, have given us over the last year. And uh, I wanted to ask for some more help, and I, but I want to read something so I don't leave out. It's very simple. But So our Soko Koji Buddhist Temple Monastery is, has expenses. And here's a little synopsis in a paragraph. Our heating bills were almost $5,000 for January, February, and March last year. Um, can you help us keep warm this winter? Please help us if you're able to. I want to talk about responsibility, so maybe that's the talk title. Quite often misunderstood. It's, well, it's, I don't know if it's misunderstood, but it's understood in different ways as being to blame or guilty or all of those relative things. In the relative world, that's quite often used, and even in the in the, the Buddhist path, that's also used in different ways. But the way I would like to talk about it uh, this evening a little bit, and I'm uh, I would like a lot uh, would like a lot of this to be questions, so that we can see how you're relating to that, and then I possibly can help you together. We can go deeper into that. What that is. There's a slogan. I think it's number 34, and it teaches seven points of mind training that touches on that a little bit, maybe quite a bit. It's called, don't transfer the ox's load to the cow. Sometimes it's said the other way around. Don't shift anything around. Whatever shows up, don't shift it to something else. Don't blame. All dharmas are without blame. That's another slogan. So responsibility or the ability, the ability to respond to something as it is. You can't do this with a thinking mind, the processing mind, the analytical mind, the logical mind. Well, yeah, you can, you could, but you're going to come up with just that. Picking and choosing, dividing, categorizing, pushing this down, fluffing this up, blaming that, but this gets off free. What does it say? They say scot-free. I'm not sure why they say that. Is that about Scotland? I don't know. Anytime you pick anything out, you are ignoring all of the causes and conditions that are untraceable, that are arising, that provide you or us, me or you, with this particularity called blame or credit or 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 or, or responsibility in its relative sense. The way I use responsibility or the ability to respond is that you will give, you'll consider everything that is happening in your milieu, in your area, in your quadrangle to see what is this fundamentally, not just who did that, who caused this, well, who's to blame for this, who spilled the milk and all of that. Those work okay to some extent, unless get, things get really difficult and then you have World War Three. And you're responsible for it. Fundamentally, from the ultimate point of view, which is no point of view, you're responsible for everything. There isn't anything that isn't your fault, and that there, isn't, there isn't anything that you don't get credit for. Ultimately. Not something you can think about. If you see this, you might think you'd have this vast panoramic uh, vista of ultimate truth, when actually it's 
the top of your kitchen table that you need to clean, possibly. So the idea here that I'm endeavoring to say is give the whole situation a little bit more time, you could say, a little bit more space, you could say, to see, see more deeply what it is that is arising, that the ego mind is so compulsive about just blaming. As soon as we can get to find out who did this, we tend to do that. We tend to get compulsive about it. So not translating the ox's load to the cow is just a, about being, being responsible in the relative sense for whatever arises in your mind stream. Anything that arises in your mind stream is not caused by someone else. It may be triggered by it, but what arises there was already there, already looking for an opportunity to fan out be some things, somebody going somewhere. I can go further, or I also can answer questions right now if you have them. Cheers, I'm bowing. Yes, sir. Something I'm trying to understand is how do we take responsibility for something without then blaming ourselves, bowing? So you might have to include some of that. But taking responsibility is not exactly responding. It's, it's actually, it is a kind of a blame for yourself. And uh, I'm not endeavoring to promote blaming yourself or blaming anyone. It's like the idea of seeing who did this, who did, did that, uh, who should have done this. They, they, that should have been done by this person. That was their responsibility. <clears throat> that kind of language around that just makes the whole thing spin more and more and more. And the next thing you know, somebody else is taking up your particular uh, banner or what you're trying to promote or shut down on or using relative truth in, as if we had some control over something. You might want to go back to square one and say, who is this in the first place? What is this fundamentally? Go ahead. I'm, bowing. I, I'm not sure I have a good way of putting this, but how do we take responsibility without empowering somebody to continue to do something harmful? Bowing. So somebody doing something harmful may need to occur, may need to, to show up. You or me, we are not that powerful. It's not that we can't stop. If we're right there and something starts to go a particular direction where it's uh, where it is, it looks like it's going to cause difficulty for someone or put someone in harm's way and the other classical ways of talking about it. Uh, respond. Respond out of the situation. If it's that clear, respond out of it. But if it's uh, three or three layers back where it's vague, where you can't really see the cause and effect, and you want to presume that this needs to be shut down because of that, 
or you start thinking about it, gathering info, gathering evidence. And this is happening everywhere, and it is not it is not incorrect, it's relatively fine. But on the spiritual path, we have to start somewhere. We just start, stop blaming everything. The best way to work with this radically, fundamentally, and minimally, when I say minimal, minimally, I mean with just the, the first leading edge of that this happened, and that's what caused it, is to do it in our mind stream. When the mind stream shows up, We've been triggered by somebody said something, did something, acted in a certain way. And instead of uh, receiving that, being responsible for what occurs, what that happens to trigger, instead we blame the trigger for how we feel. It's very, very difficult to turn that around and shut it out. It seems that we have to really be aware that we do that before we before it will subside or before it will back off or before uh and there's no guarantee that it will happen this year next year or in 20 years there's no guarantee of every of anything we have to see it, it has to be awareness 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 you're you're in in the, uh, as an example you're in the kitchen or you're in the dining room or you're going uh, from here to there and someone else in your family in your group in your community says something, does something, acts in a certain way that triggers emotions or feelings in you, be responsible, Re receive those feelings. Receive the feeling that arises in your mind stream that it looks like somebody else might have dumped into you. You've heard me talk about this hundreds of times if you've been around for hundreds of times. It's so it actually, it, it actually relieves the tension in our mind, if we can shift the ox's load to the cow, if we can somehow blame somebody, we put it on someone else, then we get some relief. Well, at least we didn't cause it. At least the reason I'm feeling this way is because. It's a, it's a very simple, direct teaching out of ancient times. All dharmas are without blame. You cannot find first cause for anything. It's that complicated. It's called dependent origination. Pratitya samutpada is a fancy word for something that's, we can't figure it out. All we can see is we look at it closely, and you could even say objectively, we see that it is an incredible ma matrix of dependent origination or cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect, but no first cause. There was no big bang anywhere. More Chazan? Chazan buying. I, I don't know that I'm clear about that boundary between the practice and the practicality of it. And so like an example in a relationship, if, if there's something abusive happening to take responsibility for your partner's abuse, what does that mean different from being okay with that? bowing <laughs> so um, i'm going to go back to the old thing that i talk about all the time is don't approve don't disapprove and don't ignore the three poisons being okay with that 
So that's not what I am endeavoring to point at here. This is difficult to put into words because it is so easy to just find blame or say we're not to blame or show how we're not really to blame. It was you're, you're responsible for everything. This doesn't mean that you're to blame for anything, but you might be. There might be some aspect of responsibility where you pushed on this or pulled on that or or were shut down in such a way that you didn't see that that you, that you perhaps could have stopped a, a situation or an event that was harmful to others. Very difficult, and it's especially hard if you're in a community where there's no communication. If there's no communication, there's not going to be any cooperation or collaboration. Very difficult stuff. That's why it's a it's a spiritual path, and it takes a lifetime to do this. So more more questions go back to you, Chazan. I know I haven't clarified anything. I guess I think I'm I'm still trying to understand what that word responsibility means when it's not a relative like you are responsible for what is occurring. Bowing. I'll say it again. Now this might be sound a little corny to you or my way of backing out of being able to explain it. I can't explain this. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. So the way I am going to endeavor to explain it is when I turn that word backwards and say it's the ability to respond. And how you respond is with the situation itself. And it may look like you're blaming in that situation for 30 seconds or 18 minutes. And it may look like you're, you're driving all blames into one, which is another slogan. I'll, I'll be responsible for everything. That's not some kind of her heroism necessarily. So the ability to respond, so you, you actually respond, you, you see, smell, taste, touch, think, hear, everything that happens. You receive. My way of teaching it is receive everything. Make no comment. Receive everything. Don't elaborate. Receive everything. Don't abandon what you are receiving for what you think about it. And how do you do that? How do you practice that? You have to spend a lot of time noticing you cannot do that. You, you just, it's a, it's a failure, a failure, a failure. It's just a failure of this body-mind complex, uh, especially if it's showing up as a personhood, as an ego, or somebody that can succeed or fail. Somebody can, can um, receive uh, blame, or someone that can stop blaming others. Uh, the, the, the ego is... Um, very eager to get hold of any kind of proof that it's being successful, that you're going to need the ego if you're going to make it in this world. You don't. You don't need to have a uh, central authority at all. In fact, then in fiction, the central authority itself will stop you from seeing the completely all-pervasive nature of consciousness. The consciousness has no center, has no fringe. How can I be responsible if I'm not clear about what's showing up? 
that would be it. Be aware that you're not clear and don't do anything. But then if there's an obvious situation that needs attention that you might need to respond to, uh, rather than go in and see, is this going to get me a credential? Will I get in trouble if I do this? Uh, if I move in that direction, will that look right to him or her or them? Uh, do I, should I even pay attention to this? Maybe I should mind my own business. Constant comment, conversation in our own mind about what we're doing, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, how that will look, what will people think, what will she think, he think, what will I think? What kind of uh, jam am I, am I going to get into if I step uh, across that boundary of somebody's property or property or something like that. More? Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean Boeing. Uh, how do we not confuse the situation itself with our own projections that we put onto the situation? Going? Good one. <clears throat> so if it's, if it's showing up that you're unclear about what dynamic to take there, uh, because you're not sure if it's a projection or if you're inventing something about it or if it's an actual situation. Is that what you're addressing? Don't do anything. And, but don't, when I say don't do anything, that doesn't mean this. You got better things to do than that. That's too confusing. You can't figure that out. Stay right with it. Keep your eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind, your, all of your sense feels right on that. So you're, so that you're in what? In receive. So you're receiving whatever is happening in that situation. And if you're really receiving whatever is happening in any situation, then any kind of response that comes out will, there's no guarantee, but will be likely to be, have, uh, uh, not be coming out of preconceptions or ideas about it. it. And it might be more scary than that. You won't have the protection of your preconceptions. That's what preconceptions do is they save us from, really looking at any given situation. More? Mm -hmm. Divine, what does uh, the failing, the failing over and over and over again, what? The what? What is happening? What is when? When we are, um, earlier you said failure, to watch yeah. the failure over and over. Again, what we can see, we cannot quite receive it. That fundamentally, and maybe in other ways, but fundamentally that's the ego mind. Just because you've been training your mind, the ego mind is beginning to see that it cannot solve this. It's failing. And that's uh, that will happen for quite a while until the final fa failure, which is there, there never was a failure. There never was a person, an individual, a consciousness, an ego that failed. It's a, it's a, that, that failure feeling is another way of building up the credential of ego. You might have to do that for quite a while. As Trungpa Rinpoche once said, the path to liberation is one failure and after another until the final disappointment, which is liberation itself. And that's some, not something you can figure out. It's something you can consider more. Is that failure solidifying the ego by? A little. But it doesn't matter because it's happening in a in an open dimension, or it's happening in in awareness. Much more room around there than there is a conjunction of something. So it looks like failure. It might be success. 
Same thing. Yes, sir. When someone triggers difficulty in me, is it important for me to see the machinations that lead to that difficulty showing up in myself? Probably. Uh, I'm not sure when uh, when you when you talk about that. Can you describe, say, a little bit more how they're looking right now? How does it look? Like there's conditionality. Oh, yes, yeah, the conditionality is bullshit. You want that kind of help? <laughs> and when I say, not saying, I'm, I'm saying it in that way so you understand what I'm saying, because if I say uh, the, the machinations are unreal, they're unreal because everything that is showing up as out there is unreal. It's relatively real, but if, if you're going to work with it that way, we might as well just uh, work with the uh, uh, psychology or... Uh, might as well just work with it in a relative way. I'm okay. I'm okay. You're okay, or some kind of, um, some kind of. Uh, um, figuring things out and analyzing everything. It's not that that can't help you a lot. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is very, very interesting and very valuable to people uh, who are operating, working with their minds in certain ways and in certain kinds of fixes or or um, puzzles with their with themselves and their relationship. I'm not saying that not, might not be helpful to some extent, but it's not ultimate truth. And so if you're in this room, if you're on this screen, uh, if you're interested, this is about realizing your ultimate nature, not just the relative success and failure mind of the, of the ego or of materialism. I'm not against that. I'm just, it has its place. We need it. If you're going to, make a living, you're going to have to do some of that. But when it comes to the interaction between yourself or anyone else and your partner or your family or your Sangha member, your community, your teacher, receive, 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 receive what comes from out here and receive what comes from in here as a reaction to what you're receiving out here. As much as you can, receive it. Be responsible. Uh, there's, there's, there isn't anything but the ox. Don't shift anything. Receive it. It can be heartbreaking to fundamentally do this and realize you're responsible for everything. How does that look as a story? Well, it won't work because we've got hundreds, thousands, billions of people, and this one person, as Trungpa Rinpoche used to say, uh, Joe Schmidt, I think he used that name all the time to talk about Mr. Every Guy. He's not responsible for everything, relatively. But ultimately, yes, because that's what you're looking at. That's what you're headed for. That's what you're, uh, when, when there's the intention to be with all things, when there's the intention to save all beings, and lead your life according to the Bodhisattva vow, the path of the Mahayana. And you're not going to get a lot of reference points out there in the darkness. If you want to find light, look at the darkness. Fundamental dualism. This doesn't mean look at evil to see good. Just I want to warn you, don't bring that up to me.
further question, especially the questions uh, go back into something that I have not clarified or if I, you feel like I've muddied the water on something like that. So let's look at that mud. That's what I'm here to do insofar as I'm able. Is there more mud somewhere? Let's see who's on the other screen hiding out. Uh, nobody's hiding here. <laughs> yes. She's on by. What does it look like to take responsibility for those machinations, that conditionality? Uh, to, to realize that it is your mind, your mind stream. It, that's what it looks like. It looks uncomfortable, more than likely. And it looks like it could go the other direction and, and you make you the blame, which might might help a little bit. It's all me. It's a, like they even say, drive all blames into one. Drive all blames into everything is yours. But that's a little bit different than being responsible for machinations in your mind. Just whatever shows up in your mind, it's yours. It's not your, your the ego. It's not doesn't belong to the ego. It's just part of the consciousness that is showing up. It's like you. It's like if you if you argue with what shows up in your mind, it's like arguing with your nose, or it's like arguing. It's not exactly, but it's ar like arguing with digestive tract because you have no say so over the mind. You think you do? Well, go ahead. Think think that all you want. Most of the world is operating that way. They're thinking about, thinking about, thinking about. If you watch Tony Robbins, he will sell you a whole uh, bill of goods on, which may look really good. And if it's a bill of goods, it probably does look good. And about how to, how to, how to, uh, was it Jordan Peterson? Is that another fellow on uh, YouTube or something that is extremely smart? at making it look like he knows more than you. Do you notice that? Does it feel like he knows more than you? No. You think he does? Good response. I'm just saying that be responsible for what arises in your mind and the warfare is over. Just, just, just receive it, receive it. That's how you do it. Just receive it. If it shows up, it has a ticket to ride. It, it has a right to be here because it's dependently arisen because karma or action, this caused that, caused that, caused that, is endless. And it's all over the place. And the illusion, that is a delusion. Let's do it this way. The delusion is you think you are somebody going somewhere, being something, getting something done, not getting something done, being responsible, not being responsible. That's the delusion that you can win or lose. And the ultimate polarity that we believe in, that there's a difference between life and death. And there's not. But don't believe me. Look for yourself. See. See it yourself. If you see that this is, uh, that this is, a, is a delusion, then you see that the reason you're deluded about it is you believe in something that is an illusion, that it's unreal. Can I say that with a higher-pitched voice? It's unreal. It's unreal. It doesn't mean it isn't there. 
It's just like sometimes you use the example of a of a a scary movie. I often talk about Stephen King. His movies are pretty scary, and it's hard to kind of look away from those, even though you know it's a movie. It's difficult. <clears throat> this is a movie. This is a pretend. And she bowing. I feel like I have very little control over how I respond. You, I, I agree with you. Do we have control? <clears throat> no. That's why you're so cool. <laughs> really? You, you're, you, you hardly have an opinion on anything. But you can generate an opinion if you need one. I've noticed you do that. But even if you do that, you change your mind right after you generate it, don't you? Quite often. Do they feel like I'm mocking you? I'm not. No, I'm just saying that being able to live in that in that state of mind that just doesn't lock down on anything. But if you do, it's a relative situation that shows up. This doesn't mean that you don't suffer or you don't believe your thoughts and get trapped in some kind of circularity where you're blaming uh, maybe me or blaming Rumi or uh, blaming Eric. I've seen you do that many times. <laughs> or blaming, who's that guy you're married to? Where is he at? But it isn't that you won't do that. It's it, I've said this many times. I'll say it again. It's about being aware of what you're doing. Then, because of dependent origination, if you're really aware, then it will, if it needs to come apart, it will. And if it needs to persist for six more months or six more years, it will just, it means that your, your time with that situation is not over yet. So you've not, you've seen the, how, what it is that no one is to blame for anything. All dharmas, anything that happens is without a singular cause, including human beings. That doesn't mean that someone who is, um, it's all about controlling everybody and get and getting rid of their own suffering by torturing others. That's been happening since there have been human beings. So that's happening also. And we have some control, but when we say I can move this from here, I can put it up on the altar. So I have control. So we're always doing things that are kind of reinforcing our belief in a body that can do this and not do that. I run over here, not run over here, go to sleep, stay awake, eat this, not eat this. All of the various things that give us a little little bit of credential all the time in every direction, that it, may, it gives us the illusion that we have some control. We do have some, of course, but we tend to go overboard when we start blaming others and ourselves for the outcome of anything. Do you have a question? What was it? Do we have any control no. over how we respond? No. Well, yeah. <laughs> so what part of that is the illusion and what part is the delusion? Do we have control or not? What do you think? Oh. Yeah, when the, what happens is when when it comes right down to it, and we need to control something that is circular and uh, doing loop-de-loops everywhere, we find out that we really can't control that. 
Take the simple example of just your emotions. If this happens, that happens, and someone triggers something in you and you start to have negative emotions, or for that matter, positive emotions about something, you have no say-so about those. Maybe tiny, maybe a tiny bit, but not much. We're really at the mercy of our emotions and our thoughts. That's what, that's the very nature of ego. Exciting, huh? Disappointing. It's difficult. That's why we have a spiritual path. That's why this person and other people here are dedicated, dedicating themselves to training their minds, our minds, so that we can not add to the chaos in the world or the chaos in our own mind. No more war with anything. No more fighting with anything. And if you do fight, then just observe the fighting without trying to stop it. That's more war. It's a very a very confusing area because the idea is there that you, well, you can't let that happen. So we'll start talking to ourselves. I can't let that happen because that would be wrong or I could stop that. And, of course, situationally, there are going to be times when you're going to need to get up and actually put a stop to something. Just like with Rumi. Rumi has a lot of freedom, but he's, he's four. So you can't let him have very much freedom. It's situational. Let him have some. More? Further questions? Don't rub your nose because it'll look like you have a question. Anyone on Zoom? We have a 31 people. Two people just left, so somebody... Somebody got what I was saying and left. But the rest of you are still here. Yes, sir. Does the ability to respond involve no response? It could, but there will always be, if something is happening or occurring, it has the appearance of this going here, this moving over there. Because if that isn't happening, then nothing is happening. But if something is going on, we look at that situation as clearly as we can without adding our opinions, our judgments, and our accusations or our finger pointing to it. Give it a chance to be what it is. That doesn't mean that if, if a, uh, um, someone is attacking someone else and you're in a position to maybe intercept that, that you wouldn't step right into that. You might. But you might also look and see how big they are. Is there, a, is, there, is there a weapon? I'm just making up a story here. There's so many variables and intent and incredible variables there, not even knowing what the disagreement is about. But yes, there's a possibility of just watching that to see what it fundamentally is, if it requires you to step into it or if it's going to dissipate on its own. Receive, 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 so that you can fundamentally see through your projections about it into what it actually is. Might work, might not. Is wanting to respond my projections? Perhaps. I'm feeling like I need to do something about this. Perhaps. It may not be that important. We can always invent stories 
And, and if you don't respond in a given situation, someone observing that might make up a story that um, you need to, you missed your chance to help that person, and you're, you're terrible or something like that. You could get blamed for not doing what other people think you should be doing. Come on, Kozan, give me a question. No. Okay. Let's see, who else can I pick on here? Isaac Bowen. Oh, Isaac, I don't even have to pick on you. Go ahead. What does it mean for two polarities to arise at the same time? Um, well, it's a, it's basic. One of the basic uh, teachings in Buddhism is uh, conflicting emotions about the nature of what this what this is. Say, it's, uh, people will even say it in their mind or in their in their conversation. Say, well, uh, I really want to. Um, take this this job over here, but then a part of me wants to stay with the job I already have. And so we have all these uh, trying to sort things out, trying to figure out, calculate. It's not that you can't have some relative excess, success doing that. Of course you can. But but we, we may not see what that fun, what that situation is fundamentally if you continue to to haggle between right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, success and failure, trying to make the right choice. You might want to wait and see if there is a choice there. So I'm not sure if I got close to what you're uh, wanting to know. If not, ask me again. Isaac Bowen, you say uh, wisdom and confusion arise together. Yes. Does that mean at the same time, Bowen? Isaac Bowen, I'm still confused. I don't know what to ask. Well, that's that's the wisdom. <laughs> But just just receive that. Receive no no. Uh, I sometimes say I used to say years ago. I would say it practically every time I gave a Dharma talk. But I haven't said it lately because because I just think that th that may be more confusing to people. But I might say, "How do you think I feel? I haven't figured anything out. I don't know anything. I don't teach out of what I know. I teach out of what I'm looking at, and I don't see." the separation that is confusing most people. Nor I, do I see everything is together and everything is one. And I'm just fine being there. That doesn't mean that the emotions that run through my mind stream aren't sometimes extremely painful or challenging. They can be, but I don't do much with them. I, I do what I'm telling you to do right now or suggesting you do is just be with all things. Whatever shows up in the mind stream, it's yours. It has a right to be there, no matter what the story is behind it. That the ego mind, if you if it's still functioning there, is continually making up ideas about why you shouldn't feel that way, and you should feel this way, and you should stop doing that. You have a responsibility to do this, and it's on and on. And on. It's a constant barrage of self lectures or something like that. Here's a question from Mahesh. And I'm trying to understand Dogen's being time, especially when he says time is not different from this being. If we think time as think of time as a if we think of time as a separate entity from ourselves, then we are going to place ourselves within that structure sequentially. Can you please explain? No, I can explain that. You can't explain Dogen. All you can do is contemplate. You're doing it. You're studying Dogen much better than I can 
if you give me something specific about that rather than just say, can you explain Dogen? Uh, I, I can't explain Dogen. Dogen couldn't even explain himself. That's why I talk in riddles all the time. You notice how he talked out of both sides of his mouth? He would talk about absolute truth and relative truth at the same time. And he did it over and over. All of his Genjo Koan and Being Time and all of those are, they give me a headache if I try to figure them out. That's why he talked that way, so that you could, so as you start to work with that, your self-centeredness starts to collapse because the self-centeredness cannot enter into uh, wisdom. Why? It's not separate from wisdom. It's not other than wisdom. There, I just explained it to you. You're welcome. Chazan will quit flashing that light or whatever it is you're flashing because it's going to cause me to have a... What the, does that happen when lights flash on? I'm not sure why my camera's been doing that. I think it's something you've done wrong. <laughs> He's not smiling, so he probably agrees with me. He just shut. Did you shut it off? Oh, so stop doing that now. There. So uh, he said. Um, then he also goes on. Um, Mahesh does. Uh, he says practice and enlightenment are happening in the same moment. Can't figure that out. You can't figure Dogen out. He's not presenting you the teaching that you figure. That's that's for uh, uh, quantum physics, or that's for that's for um, what's that thing you do? Say it in one word. Calculate stuff. Calculus. Use calculus. What what is that math that you use? Figure outable math. Yeah. So if you really need to figure something out, then use a. Uh, um, you know, trigonometry. But you, you aren't going to be able to use logic or reason to figure out Dogen. That's why, that's why so many people are fascinated, especially highly intelligent, brilliant uh, people are, are fascinated by uh, his, his way of presenting the Dharma, even when it's translated out of the Japanese and into uh, other languages, including English. Astonishing. Astonishing what he's able. We study him, uh, his teachings every Wednesday at noon here uh, in the monastery and been doing it for years now. I don't know how long. When we get done with that, then we're going to study the, uh, what is it? Ehe Koroku? Is that what they call it? Yeah, it's another big, thick book. I'd like to say a lot of stuff. So, again, Mahesh. You can't figure it out. Well, what can you do? You can you can train your train your mind. Get get yourself to a cushion and face the wall. And that's that is that is Buddha. He even said this. Practice enlightenment. Practice the practice is enlightenment. Can't be calculated or figured out that I know of. You're quite welcome, Mahesh. Thank you for the question. Anytime. Being. Anytime being. Kenzan. If Dogen's intention isn't to help us figure out something, what is his intention? Bye. My understanding, I haven't talked to him, 
But my my understanding from reading Dogen and seeing the way he uses language to point to the truth, it's to help us see that the truth is here. It's here. Drop off body and mind. He says, drop off body and mind. How, how do you, you can't do that? You can't drop it. You can't get rid of your body. He doesn't even mean that. It's the attachment to the body as somebody and attachment to the mind as somebody. Drop that, drop that off. And, and what do we do? We, that helps us to see the way in which we're attached or believe in our thoughts and believe that we are somebody. We can, you know, I'm here. I can wave this hand or I can decide not to. I've got total control of myself. You know, I might not have control of my digestive tract. I might not have control of my the blood flow or the sugar content of my bloodstream. Wait a minute, maybe I don't have control of any damn thing. You follow me? To bring the, go ahead, you. I understand what you're saying about about his intention to help us see that the truth is here. But how are the words? How are his? How are his words leading us in that direction? Um, uh, by contemplating, uh, just like Mahesh. I don't know, I haven't talked to Mahesh personally, but that's a, it's a valid uh, inquiry about being time. So it brings the intellect and the intuition and consciousness itself. It starts because it, it, it doesn't spell something out in such a way that you can go in there and start to uh, dismantle or deconstruct the whole thing as if it were some kind of a, a problem or a, an issue. He actually talks about it uh, with the um, uh, concepts and structures and language, but what he's talking about is ineffable. You can't find it, but we look for it anyway. And when we look for it, it's just like it says in the in the sutras in different ways. Different sutras say it in different ways. In, in, Encouraging us to look closely so we can see that everything is empty of what you, what your perceptions of it, of what your conclusions are. It's empty of that. It's done with the mind. And each person uh, has that, uh, has that, uh, uh, has Buddha nature. How do I know? I don't know. It's not a relative thing. I don't have proof of anything, but I'm looking at it more. No. Why not? I feel like I got something to chew on there. Okay. Good. Chew. Chew back up. Next question. Or should I just bow out? Chaitan, you have problems at your house. Those flashing lights, I think, are ghosts. Susan Bowie. Go ahead, Susan. Is Shikantaza responsibility? Bowing. Yes. It is. Sit down, hold still. Just receive this. Start with your with your own mind. Sit down and look at the wall, and you're not going to find out anything there other than the nature of consciousness, and you get to do it yourself. You get to discover this yourself. So, that, And it's not a credential. You can't pack it up and sell it uh, um, in the marketplace or in the 
on uh, TikTok or YouTube or wherever. You, you might. I think there are people who do that. Come up with a bright idea about the nature of this or that or consciousness and market it. You can do, do that if they want. Further questions, Susan? Susan Dowling, our vows responsibility. So you're you're getting into an area where there's there's only there's only one end to the vow, and that's where that's the vow, and there's no there's no accomplishment. It's like uh, if I example I've heard before and, and and used a little bit is the all the muscles in the body. One of the muscles has no it's only fastened in one place. You know what that is? That's the tongue. <laughs> fastened one place. The vow is only fastened one place. So that's why it, you have to extend that. So I guess there's some responsibility there because it, it is the, the desire, the wish, or the motivation to save all beings, which is an idealistic way of saying it since there aren't any beings, but that's something that would be realized on the path as you endeavor to do that. Don't believe anything I'm saying. As I say often, practically every Dharma talk, I'll say that at least once. I would like you to see this. And if you see it, then you certainly won't need me. You won't need anything. There will be no demands. Nothing will be left out. Nothing is unfinished. Everything is complete. Anutra Samyak Sambodhi is the fancy word. Why do they use such a fancy combination of words to say something as you say enlightenment? I don't know. Chisho, why do they use those fancy words? Don't know. Anutra, none farther. Isn't that true? And none farther. No, there's no farther awakening than Anutra. It's it's like there's no, there isn't anything else but this, and it's awakening. And if you if you realize this, you will know it. There will be no proof. It will not be an event. It may have uh, aspects that are in uh, that are uh, experiential, but it, it isn't something that occurs. If it occurs. It'll show up and go away like relative truth always does. You have an insight, you have a kensho into your true nature, won't last. I don't care how incredible your kensho is. I've had a few of those myself many, many years ago. In the 1920s, I had kensho. It was great. <laughs> I knew everything and I could see so clearly and I understood reality, and I was one with everything. And then that life went away, and now I'm back to this one. Is there a final question? If there is, I'd be happy to respond to it. Uh, Mahesh Bowen. Mahesh, go uh, ahead. So uh, when you say, uh, just observe, right, like uh, when whatever happens in our life, just observe, I don't think you mean like be passive. Uh, I mean, we, sometimes because obviously we have to act out, act. Uh, how do we know like uh, whether what we are acting out is the right way or not? Um, um, if we are observing, like I, mean, I might act out 
based on my habitual reactions and my karmic nature. Okay, so uh, Mahesh, uh, let's let me ask you a little uh, question. Do you practice sitting meditation? Yeah. And, and do you practice uh, with your eyes open? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you happen to practice the way that I teach? It's a just sitting style. Yeah. Um, keep letting go of thoughts. Just sit and keep letting go of thoughts. Okay. Any object. Yeah. Okay. So uh, just very simple. Just receiving everything that shows up. That. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's good. Just continue to do that. Return here if this is helpful to you. You can return here. Uh, you can return to a sitting uh, situation on your own. Well, you, I'm sure you have a wall. Sit down, hold still, look at the wall, gaze at the wall. Don't stare at it, but just gaze at the wall, a soft gaze at the wall, and uh, and watch what, if you can hold very still, very still and symmetrical, then anything that arises in the mind stream, uh, practice watching it without adding or subtracting or dividing. In other words, no passion. Uh, so just to clarify, um, my question is about in daily life. In daily life, when we yes. when we are asked to observe. Yes. Uh, I'm, um, ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to respond. You ready to listen? Yeah. Okay. Just practice when you're facing the wall. When you get up off the cushion, just hang out. Don't don't do any meditation and action. This comes from doing this for half a century. It's not it's not something I was taught. I was taught totally the opposite of that. But I can't help this. I, I cannot help but teach out of what I'm looking at. And so what I'm looking at is uh, nothing is separate from anything else. And it's an astonishing uh, perception that is not particularly experiential because there isn't anything one left to experience it. Experience it. Not that I'm puffing myself up as some great sage or wise guy or wise person, but I'm just saying when you're sitting, be very, very definite. Sit down, hold still for long periods of time without being rigid and without being macho. If you need to get up, if your knees hurt, you listen to your knees. If your back hurts, listen to it. Get up, stretch, move around, go lay down, take a nap. If you're falling asleep, take a nap or just watch yourself go to sleep. That's also awareness practice. But when you get off the cushion, this is called, uh, to, so we can define it, this is called post-meditation. Just hang out. Don't be correcting yourself in post-meditation, trying to be a better uh, meditator, trying to be more aware. If you practice on the wall, if you sharpen the blade enough on the whetstone or the wall, when you get up and go into your everyday life or you take that knife and go to chop uh, carrots or vegetables or whatever you're chopping, then you, you'll be able to chop, chop. It'll be a clean cut without a lot of ragged edges. It'll be just a way of talking about prajna or wisdom. It's, 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 it's a clean, the symbol in, uh, for Manjushri's uh, sword uh, has uh, two edges that cuts through the self and through the other uh, with one cut. Of course, that's impossible to do, but only if it's limited by relative truth. If it's not limited by anything, then it Every cut is wisdom and, and through this and, uh, and something else. So then it becomes perception only. That will begin to show up in your everyday life, probably somewhat on the cushion. But really, where it really shows up is when you start bringing that mind, tra mind training into 
interaction with your your family, your 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 society, your own mind as you're brushing your teeth. You suddenly realize that there's that what this is. You see, this this is unreal. And and it's you don't have to listen to me to be convinced of it. You begin to see it. It just takes one hell of a lot of sitting, a lot of sitting to sharp get that blade so that it's sharp so that when you into your everyday life, you're cutting through self and other, empty of self, empty of other, and completely full of what this is, which is astonishing. And I can't, it's not going to help me to rave about stuff, but you can see this. You can see this. I know you can. If you have further questions, please let me have them. Yeah, so, so in uh, real life, is there any like uh, so as per what i understand you're saying just hang out or just like don't think don't overthink just just live normally um, but what about uh, uh, like uh, precepts or uh, living in a in the right way or not, not acting out of habitual ways do we watch out for those i mean or, or do we do anything specific for those or yes yes we're certainly going to going to look at that it doesn't mean that you it's a free for all and you do whatever you want to do no and and if you were to come here which is not inviting you particularly. But if you were to, to function out of the 16 precepts, then yes, don't kill, uh, don't, don't steal, don't, uh, don't tell lies, uh, don't, 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 lots of don'ts. And also refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So you, you're pulling yourself away from your everyday life to some extent. But in, in the West, not in, we're not in ancient Japan or Tibet or China, and in, in, in the West, where, where we're at here, we're trying to find out how to use these, the Buddha's Dharma and still not abandon our culture. So this is something, uh, Trung Paramatri came from uh, Tibet and came to, uh, to England, uh, Scotland, and then eventually came here and endeavored to, to uh, create an enlightened society. I think he had some success. It wasn't over-the-top successful. But he had some success with that into into introducing people uh, into a way of living that was based on basic sanity, on not going to war with anything, but first being respectful of people's confusion and their awakening. And and it was he was uh, uh, he, he was my uh, my teacher. He was my guru, and he was my guru until I met Kobanchina Roshi, who was my Zen master. They didn't know that, but I did. Final question from anyone, then we'll actually make this a final one since it's getting late. No? Okay, we'll close then. Thank you. Hi, my name is Kozan, and I'm a monk at Sokokoji, where I practice with the guidance of my teacher, Sokozan. We rely on your donations to support our programming of practice, study, and teachings and to fund scholarships that help our full-time practice residents with tuition and living expenses. Thank you for helping our Sangha.